G'day everyone, welcome to another Tune Under podcast, the Southern Hemisphere's biggest, best and probably only podcast, all things for Newcastle United. I'm here with Bobby tonight to unpack the disastrous uh, 4-1 defeat at the Emirates this morning for us. We're fortunate, I still reckon that's probably my favourite kickoff time, Bobby, is at the 7 o'clock in the morning kickoff, so I'm a bit of an early guy and I think you are as well. So that's right in our wheelhouse, unfortunately. I think we might have been the only two who actually turned up for the game because yep. there was eleven <laughs> blokes that didn't. So um, we'll get we'll get straight into it. We won't get caught up in your day because it's probably been shit because we played early and lost. So we don't really care about that. Um, I guess we'll get stuck uh, stuck straight into the lineup. We'll go to the Arsenal team first when I can get it up. <laughs> Uh, we had Raya in goals, uh, White, Saliba, Gabriel, Kiwi or Rice, Jorginho, Odegaard, Saka, Martinelli and Havertz. I think they're pretty much at full tilt, Bobby, which is never a good sign, especially with our track record at the Emirates over the last 14 years. I think our last win was nearly 10 years ago, which has mm. been pretty ordinary. Uh, our lineups now, I don't know about you, mate, but the first thing I did was look at the bench to see if Joe Willock was on there. And then after I seen that, I was happy. And then I went, oh, shit, uh, Carrius must be injured because I seen Gillespie. I didn't realise that Debravka wasn't playing. So <laughs> that was a that was a bit of a setback. But it was fantastic to see uh, Isak back in the starting lineup after a few weeks off with that groin complaint. And like we said, uh, Joe Willock back on the bench. And finally, Tino Livermento got the start over Dan Byrne. Bobby, how did you feel when you seen the uh, lineups when you woke up this morning? Um, as good as can be. I thought um, with the squad injuries and everything like that, we we um, probably fielded the best team we possibly could. Um, as you said, I think you especially, but myself, and a few others really know how much we've missed Joe Willock in the team. Um, and it was good to see him back. And, of course, uh, the big Swede pointing his guns at us right now. Um, mm. Yeah, always good to have him in the starting lineup. And also we thought it was going to be. Yeah, for the first time in I don't know how long we had Bruno in the middle and Butman at the back and Isaac in attack. So... Everything kind of looked like it was trending the right direction. But unfortunately, as soon as the kickoff started, mate, the only direction was going towards our goals. <laughs> it wasn't, uh, there wasn't much going the other way. I'm pretty sure that even Raya pulled up a jack chair on the halfway line because there was absolutely no threat from us at all in the first half. We're not going to go through a blow-by-blow description of what had happened. But, I mean, when they had a corner after about 30 seconds, the riding was on the wall pretty early, wasn't it? Yeah, they just you could tell the boys didn't turn up or um looked like they didn't want to be there, which is really disappointing because we know that Arsenal still feel aggrieved from the last time they were at St. James's Park. They're still sucking and carrying on and Arteta's press conference again was uh full of venom against us as he is, has been. Um so we knew they were gonna come out, you know, full of um, fury and for us to turn up like we did was extremely disappointing and we'll get to the stats i think soon but for me the stats tell the absolute true story because there was six fouls in total for the whole game and only one yellow card 
we that was in the first our, 20 minutes exactly and it was to an arsenal player so what has happened to eddie shithouse mags and that energy and you know stick you know sticking up for yourself and physicality you know, all out there physicality and getting stuck in and you know not letting any ball be loose and all that sort of thing it's just disappeared we've lost our identity um which has been probably the most disappointing thing that's come from it yeah and i was going to get to this later but as soon as you mentioned the physicality stuff we might as well get stuck into it now because for shit probably the best part of over two months we've had the same three players playing in the midfield and one to 17 year old kid mm-hmm. who who does i guess shoney has the physical demands to play at the level because he's he's played some good stuff in patches but he's just he's not he's not as physical as what a joel linton is and even a joe willick is as well sean longstaff seems like he's scared to make a tackle and bruno's been walking a suspension typewrite for about six games so mm-hmm. we've got absolutely no bite at all in the middle of the park and i think that's a major factor in how and why we're playing the way we are because we, we can't assert ourselves in the game we're not being physical or anything like that and teams are just playing through us and it's this isn't a one-off this sort of stuff's been happening for probably nearly since the start of the year i think aston villa was was one game we kind of got our own way but we kind of bypassed the midfield in a way we our aim was to try and get in behind them as as often as we could and that kind of meant playing over the midfield so i I did think about that actually during the game and, and wondered why we kept trying to play out from the back when we were just getting pressed and turned over every single time. Like maybe Isak can sort of play on the on the shoulder of the last defender and j- just start hoofing it over the press at least to try and get us out and up the field a little bit and just, just a little bit of, I guess, time to breathe rather than just being pegged in inside about 30 yards for the whole first half. Yeah, I know Bruno tried it a couple of times to no effect but it was the game we needed to play but um as you say it's the problem with us is the midfield three is just there's no physicality and the way they play it just leaves gaps all over the midfield and that may, puts our defense in a world of hurt no matter who's there like the calls for dan bird to be dropped i think were justified and um but he wasn't the only blame i think now it's discovered that it's there's bigger and you know, massive issues along our lines. And, you know, Joel Litton um, is a massive, massive loss for us because he did the work of two guys a lot of the time and that physicality protected the back four. And then also it goes without saying Nick Pope, you know, he plays as an extra defender really. Um, and if we got stuck with our s- slow defenders in behind, uh, him being that sweeper keeper usually came out and helped out. So there's a lot of issues going on, Keegs, and we're seeing it. I mean, last year our defence was our our thing. That it was, was our, our backbone. Yeah, we were number one in the league, and it was what every club knew and expected. And this year, only bottom three plus Nottingham Forest and Bournemouth have conceded more than Newcastle. Forty-five well, goals. Since December, no one's conceded more than us since December. Mm. So that's that's a frightening stat. And 
especially when our you'd almost say our preferred back four, that the same back four that you mentioned played last year, mm. have played pretty much all of them games. So Botman, LaSalle's had that spell with Botman's kind of undiagnosed semi-torn ACL or whatever it was. So yeah. but since since December, Botman's been back. So they've all they've kind of been together again now. I think you said like you said, it's hard just to blame the back four because I think it's it's a whole team and Eddie said that even last year as well that it's not just the back four who are defending we defend as a team and when we're getting played through as easy as we are and we, we can't stop a game and give a foul away to kind of just do that because like I said Miley's not strong enough Longstaff's too scared to make a tackle and so is Bruno because of the suspension it just we're just putting our back four consistently under the pump all the time and yeah, yeah, burn moments as well. And I think playing Livermento was justified purely because of the Saka thing. And we mentioned a couple of weeks ago about the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result. And that was Dan Burn at left back against quick pacey wingers. And Saka's probably the best one in the league. So I think it was smart for Livermento. And I thought Livermento had a good game. I know Saka scored and it was it was a little bit of a strange goal that it was kind of like in slow motion. I think the the <laughs> pace of it or the, the lack of pace kind of undid everyone. But I thought on the whole, he, he played pretty well against him. Definitely didn't get done in behind like Dan Byrne was a few times. So even – we'll just – we'll quickly skip through the first half and just touch on the goals. The first one was a bit of a calamity, yes. unlucky, and a bit of a shit show really. Um, but – the second one was alarming with the ease that Martinelli sort of over-touched it and then was sort of unchallenged at the byline to square it back and for no one to be within anywhere. I think it was, was it Jorginho that scored that second goal? Yeah, I'm pretty yeah, sure. Yeah, no one anywhere near him. Like, Shah was nowhere. Botman was in no man's land as well. Trippier was kind of the last defender as if to say what the hell's going on here where is everyone and for him to be unmarked at the six yard box was typical of the way we played in that first half yeah sorry it was habits i think habits um, yeah Georgina got the yeah, third one i think but either way it was someone coming from the midfield and just being unchallenged like you said and that's the problem at the moment there's you know there's the acres of space for all these world like arsenal is a world-class team they're Fantastic three team in the Premier League, yeah. you know, and so the loss against Arsenal isn't what we should be alarmed about. It was the ease of the attitude from the players, the lack of fight, and that this is now not a small data of worries that we've got. It is a long term problem that Eddie's had, and the fact that we still got the the same midfield three. For me, and we haven't tried to change it up in some fashion, like to change the system. So we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, we'll get to that later. We'll, we'll, don't don't spend all your tickets now. Yes, save that save that for later because I don't we'll have touch tickets, on it, mate. Yeah. So um, I'm not sure what your plans were at halftime, mate. But I um, in between making the kids breakfast, I did leave the um, the feed on, and I'm not sure what any other. Uh, viewers from overseas 
got, but we had Alan Shearer on as part of the Premier League. So I think it's a Premier League TV feed that we get here on Optus. So um, he said it was embarrassing and it was a disgrace. And mm. I don't think anyone could argue that them two words were pretty appropriate for what we'd seen in that first kind of 45 minutes. And there was a couple of, I wouldn't say opportunities, more potential green shoots in, in Brendan Bolton's words, Bobby, that at the end of that first half that maybe maybe we might be able to sort of turn it around, but it wasn't long after halftime that the nail was in and the game was the game was over. Yeah, I mean it's the hope that kills you. What they is that what they say? Yeah. And uh, when you go into half time and you're only two down, I think we should have been well and truly out of sight, to be honest. But you're right, there was that hope and a couple of little things here and there. You thought, oh, surely we can't be as bad as the first half. And if we can just get work. one, you never know. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, and it's, Isak had that chance just before he went off mm. with that beautiful yeah. bit of footwork and just sort of hit it. And then, oh, shit, I felt like a couple of minutes later, Saka scores the third and it it's, was, yeah. she's curtains. Yeah. So, um, it's hard, like, to, I guess, unpack it because it was, it was just a shit show. <laughs> like, you don't know where to, where to start and and where to finish and stuff like that. So, I guess, we'll start with what you mentioned earlier with the system and and things like that, and knowing that you're going to have these same three players in the midfield for at least the medium term when it happened. And I think, yeah, like you said, the writing has been on the wall for months. This isn't a, a one-off performance or a, a sort of one out of the bag. We've been sliced and diced quite a few times and our goals against since December pretty much confirms that. So I guess what's it, it's easy to paint problems and identify the problems and stuff, Bobby, but solutions what what can we do that's different um well when we got eddie howe in he was viewed as a tactical mastermind i think we all watch videotapes and him and his bournemouth team so lesser teams than what he's got now and he would tactically destroy better opposition time in time out to to get points for bournemouth um I haven't seen the versatility in his systems that I saw at Bournemouth. I haven't seen the ability to go to a 4-5-1 to clog the game up more or to a 4-4-2 or anything like that. I, I just I feel that he's been very steadfast and arrogant in a way that the, the system is what the system is and no matter what we've got, with us in the squad, it's just the way it's going to be. And as you said, this midfield three hasn't changed despite the last 12 games, us only getting 11 points or something like that. And as I said, been a walkthrough for a lot of clubs scoring against us. And in those games, it's not like we've played the top of the tree. We've played Luton twice, uh, Bournemouth and Forest, Forest twice. twice. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I love Eddie, and I'm not calling for him to be sacked. I don't. I want to put that on record. But it's starting to frustrate me that we're not seeing anything, 
anything different. And against Arsenal, at Arsenal, we could tell that that midfield three wasn't going to work. It was quite simple. It wasn't going to work, but there was no change. Yeah. So I've been thinking about this a little bit today and how I kind of landed is with our, I guess, plethora of defenders, which has really been the only line apart from that Botman injury that has been relatively unscathed through injury and, and stuff like that. And we seem to have a pretty good bill of health in there. So I, I kind of landed on a, a three five one or three five two or something like that, where in say in possession we have Burn, Shah and Lascelles as a back three with Trippier and Liv Lamento, kind of giving more options through the midfield, and then perhaps Miley on Longstaff, sort of not not starting in in place of like a Liv Lamento, and then Burn keeps his place but plays in the back three rather than getting torched out wide and we still get that pace mm. of Livermento. And then maybe when we're defending, we can sort of drop to a back five and try and stiffen it up a little bit and things like that. And then that way as well, we do have a, I guess, a midfield rotation, if you like, off the bench where we can bring, if, if it's Miley that's on the bench, we can bring Miley on and, and things like that. We have the ability to change, change the way we play and, and stuff like that. But I'm not... I'm not anything close to a football manager, Bobby, so I don't really know anything. But, yeah, just for something different, I thought that that might work against, especially like good teams where, you know, you're going to be under the pump away from home, things like that. So that was that was one and, option. And also just trying different things keeps other managers on their toes. I mean, at the moment, you, you know, we knew how to beat Newcastle United. I think every manager does. Luton have seen it. You know, Forest, Bournemouth—they've mm. all seen how how to get past this Newcastle team, and there's been no want to change the system. Forget about the personnel, the way we set up, the way we defend, the way we attack. There's nothing changing, and so if you do something different, and you call, you know, you cause the other manager to have to have a rethink and reassess what they're going to do. Well, you've got a bit of a chance, in don't you? You've got the other club yeah. on. The other team on the back foot a little bit as they're well. They're spending but... more time thinking about what we're doing instead of worrying about what they're doing themselves. So, yeah, exactly right. So I, I, it's been really confusing for me because, as I said, I, I think Eddie has had has got this um, reputation of being a tactical mastermind and how to break team other teams down, but we just haven't really seen it this season when the going gets tough. You know, like. Last season was a dream. We we're ahead of schedule. We're still ahead of schedule. But when things were going right, yep, don't change the system. Keep it going. This is the way we play. This is our identity. We've lost our identity now. So it's time to, you know, I think it's time to rethink and to, to try something different. Yeah. So I'll bring up the table quickly. As you can see, if you're watching, if you're, if you're listening to us, on your audio provider. We're currently eighth. It's Sunday night here at Tom recording. So West Ham and Chelsea and Wolves all haven't played. We could be 11th, I think, by the time. I haven't even checked the fiction to make sure they're not playing each other. But we could be 11th by the time we wake up in the morning. Yeah, so Chelsea have Liverpool. Wolves have Sheffield United. So 
if them and West Ham win as well, Bobby, we, we could be down to 11th. So, and Arsenal with the win, they go to third, uh, two points off Liverpool who are top. So I'm actually glad that there is a little bit of a, a total race on, I guess. No one's running away with it. So it's good to see a bit more competitiveness at the top of the table. But we'll, we'll come back to us and, and things like that. I argue that these results at at the moment with our players and who we have available and stuff like that, I think we're a mid-table team and mm-hmm. that that's why we're getting results. So I think some people are getting caught up in what we were last year. We're nothing like we were last year in, in terms of personnel and things like that. And I think if you go through our team and – who played last night, we've got two genuine stars in that team in Bruno and Isak. Gordon's not there yet. He's well on his way, but I don't think he's there yet. But apart from that, there's not there's not a great deal of sort of talent. I know Kieran Trippi is a very good player, but he, in all due respect, he's closer to the end than he is probably to the middle even. So, mm. well, he's still a good player. We have guys like Almiron, Longstaff, Miley, Livermento is still a young player as well. We just, out of, if we take them top three teams that we just spoke about, I think Bruno and Isak are probably the only two players who start for them them three clubs. Would that be fair? Yeah, you bang on. Yeah, I think that's so, fair. I think Botman, Botman, before the injury, and there's a lot of question marks in how this guy's playing after a perceived so ACL. What, I mean, what's wrong with him? He's he's a shadow of who he was last year. Well, I, I know when I did my ACLs playing sport that after a few weeks, you could run pretty much straight um, yeah. before the surgery. Um, and I do wonder if he's carrying something like a meniscus or, you know, stretched ligaments or whatever it's in there. But he's lost. He wasn't the quickest to begin with, but he's, no. lost, <laughs> he's, yeah, he's lost a yard of pace. His turning circle, I've noticed, is a lot, lot bigger than it was. And if he's carrying anything to do with that, then I don't know why he's out there. Um, because I thought Lasalle's filled in pretty well when he was he was not playing. Yeah, and, and I think I think we all did. Is, yeah, and the other fact is Botman's a, a long term asset for the club because he is that player that can get to the level of Isaac and a Bruno to be talked about at that level where he can go to a top four club because yeah. last season he was electrifying as a defender. We were comparing him to Woodgate as the only ones, you know, defenders yeah. that have been at Newcastle that were good enough. So there's a lot there's a lot of questions, Keggs. There's a lot of Pandora box things that we can open and discuss where it's gone wrong this season. And that goes back right through the summer. It goes back to what's happening now with Dan Ashworth. Um, who had control, who didn't have control. It just seemed like after last season that we got into Europe really too quick and the club was sort of reacting rather than planning properly. And it's just caused a, along with the injury crisis, which is another thing that, you know, if we can delve in and open up doors, there's problems all over the place. But this just seems like this is the season from hell for us and um, a lot of questions to be answered. Yeah. But in a silver lining, if this is a season from hell and we finish 10th, 
it, like shit, like shit. It's not like we've had seasons from hell and been relegated. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> yeah. if our new season from hell is finishing tenth, I'll probably I'll accept it because there is there has been a lot of instability at the club, both on and off the pitch this season. Now some of it's might have been the club's own doing. A lot of it's not. Like the the injuries. Yeah. And we, we've banged on about this for months and months, which is frightening in itself that we're still talking about injuries. But a lot of these weren't your typical hamstring and, and calf and, and quad and things like that. Like a few of these were impact injuries that are completely unavoidable. Like you can't do anything about it. Like with what like with burn and Botman's ACL, Pope's shoulder, Murphy's shoulder, like Tenali's suspension as well. Like all this stuff is, yeah. you can have the best sports scientists in the world, but, you can't stop impact injuries. Like they just happen, and we've obviously ran over a cat or <laughs> something like that to to cop it. But and yeah. then like now with the Ashworth stuff and all that, I'm sure that's that's playing a role. I'm not sure how big. I don't think it's that big of a role. But of course, of course, it has an impact on on things. Where Eddie Howe might be doing a little bit more. I think he does a lot anyway. By the sound of it, in terms of what he's got his fingers in, but he might have to do a little bit more now that Ashworth's gone. Now, does that take away from his Monday to Friday focus on the team and, and things like that? Like, who knows? Like, this might all come out in the wash at the end of the season once it's all over. But it, it actually has been a season for hell. And apart from maybe that PSG game at home, there hasn't been much that's gone right for us this season. Yeah, I think the first game of the season was incredible. Um, and we thought we're in for another one, a repeat of last season, but with the Champions League and then obviously the PSG game was the highlight, I think, of every... It'll go down to memory like the Barcelona game and everything like that. So there has been good moments. It's just um, as the season's worn on, the issues that have stemmed from the end of last season, I think, have come to the fore. And um, hopefully the club can rectify it. I think, you know, we've got a really good manager in Eddie Howe. I hope we can get this Dan Ashworth thing resolved. I know we're going to get a bit more money to spend because of the Adidas and Seller deals. And a lot of our deadweight players or deadweight players that we have are not unsellable items anymore. You know, so if we want to be creative in the transfer window, we can recoup money like a Lonstar, for instance, even at 15 million, he's an academy product. That's amortizes to a lot of money. So... Yeah, it's not the end of the world, and as you said, seasons from hell usually got us relegated last time. So, you know, but it's a bit hard when you make Champions League and then have to go back again. We've got the FA still, Cup coming up. We're still in that. Yeah. So let's hopefully we can we can get something from that. So I still think that some of the commentary from a fair few people mentioned that they weren't ready and they weren't equipped for Europe this season. I I kind of disagree with that. I thought with the players we had in Tenali and, and Barnes coming in as well, that Gordon's re-emergence, Elliot Anderson a little bit older, Livermento was a really good prospect as well as Lewis Hall. And I did have doubts about Lewis Hall at the time and they've been amplified as, as the months have gone on. But take away him, I thought we were pretty well equipped. Like we had... We had a lot of players who could rotate through and, and the quality, and I think that was part of the thing last year, was our starting 11, maybe 
12 or 13 was pretty good, but then it dropped away pretty quickly. And I thought we addressed that with Gordon and uh, – uh, not Gordon, with Barnes and Tenali and things like that. But with the suspensions and the injuries to Joel Linton, Willick, Barnes and Isak and Wilson not being able to be fit together at the same time, sometimes not at all, you can't plan for shit like that. Like, I think we actually – planned okay and I think the only mistake in the transfer market was Hall but even then it was a loan anyway so we didn't actually pay a fee for that I actually think we we're pretty well equipped to deal with it and to deal with the extra games and everything like that but like we spoke about like you can't forecast these injuries that we had it's unprecedented I've never seen anything like it at any club not these aren't just a hamstring I know Tottenham you kind of keep an eye on Tottenham with Ange and stuff like that. And they had a little injury crisis that went for about three or four weeks. This has been going on for three months, four months nearly. Mm. Like, it's it's unprecedented. So I do think that we we did equip ourselves pretty well. Like, Murphy proved himself last year to be a very reliable impact player, could fill in a spot start every now and then. So we sort of had Barnes uh, and Gordon on one wing. Almiron, Murphy on the other wing with the option of Willock and Joel Linton to kind of rotate that midfield wing role as they did last year with really good effect as well. I think we were pretty well well equipped. Like Target proved it has proved a sort of reliable backup to Burn if, if Burn got injured and then Livermento and Trippier. Like there was good depth there. I think the only question was the centre back getting a centre back, which I think they'll probably do that in this summer. But I do think we were pretty well equipped to handle everything. We just you can't plan for 12 blokes being unavailable for two and a half, three months. Like it just, you can't do it. And that's, that's got nothing to do with what we've seen in the last six weeks. It's just from the start of the season, I actually thought we were going to be in a good position to continue where we were. But this last six weeks has, it's been pretty concerning. So before we go, Bobby, I'm always like to be a glass half full guy. It's always good to find this shit, and trust me, it's been pretty easy to find and things like that. But let's leave everyone on a bit of a positive note. Give us give us something positive to go out with. Willick's back and he scored. Um, for me, that, that brought a smile to my face. I think that was great, and hopefully you get to start um, soon. I don't know if Blackburn's going to come too quick, but... Um, in the league, hopefully he's starting next game and, you know, we can push on with Willock in the side because he is a vitally important player for us. Yeah. So I'll give you – I'm going to give you three because I just want people to be – see the silver lining. There's good in everywhere, Bobby. you just got to know where to look for it. So Willock coming back is fantastic. Willock scoring is even better. His confidence is up. Isak playing an hour and not getting injured, that made me happy. I was happy to see him run off when his number was on instead of hobbling off. So that was a positive. Yep. And this, I don't know how long this one might last for, but we're still in the FA Cup. We're still a chance to beat Blackburn. I think we're probably a, a good chance to beat Blackburn. Um, so there's there's plenty of – not plenty, but there's there's some good stuff there. you just got to know where to look. So And even though we're – we're in relegation form. We're not in relegation trouble. So that's a exactly it. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. And if Eddie's telling the truth, which sometimes, not sometimes, more than often that doesn't happen, 
Elliot Anderson could be back within a week or two as well, which is fantastic. There's another option for us on the bench. So things are starting to get a little bit better in terms of personnel. So there is some good stuff there. Stick fat, everyone. I think given the players we have coming back and some of the quality, I think Elliot Anderson, this could have been a breakout season for him if he didn't break his 54 vertebrae and he's back and been out for six months. So <laughs> now he's back. Hopefully we do see a bit of it. But like he would have had he could have had ample opportunity to play this year given Joel Linton and Tanali's suspensions and Willock injuries trouble as well. So hopefully he can come back and have a little bit of an impact. So there is there is plenty of good out there, Bobby. We just you just got to search a little bit more harder for it compared to some of the shit stuff we've been seeing over the last six weeks or so. Yeah, exactly, Keeks. So that might wrap us up. We'll be back after the Blackburn game, hopefully a bit more of a positive pod, a win and get us through. I think it is the last eight if we win against Blackburn. Yeah, yeah so get us into the last eight. Realistically, it's probably our only chance for Europe, so I'm happy to finish 10th, 11th, 9th, whatever it is, if, if it means we can give the FA Cup a red-eye crack and we finally break that trophy drought. I think the season from hell might become the season of dreams if we can win the FA Cup. So let's go chips in. Eddie, I know you're a big watcher of the pod and a big listener on the drive-in as well. So chips in, mate. Don't be scared. No one will hate you. We still love you until you keep fucking up. Then you might test our patience a little bit more. But uh, we still love you. So chips in, mate. Don't be scared. And hopefully we'll have a positive podcast to talk about on uh, Thursday. So, Bobby, thanks for joining us, mate. Thanks, Let's thanks. get to bed. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks, everyone, for subscribing, too. We've just we've cracked over 5,000, which is absolutely massive for us. We're stoked with that. So keep telling your friends, tell your enemies, tell your frenemies, keep subscribing, and, and let's keep growing the channel to make it as big as what we can. So that'll do for us, Bobby. Thanks very much, mate. We'll see you all next time. See you, guys.